Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Rosher, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignal, visual artist, and today we are going to be talking about, well, kind of a few different things. The main topic is revolves around holidays and how, as an artist, you can use them to your advantage because a lot of people do buy art as gifts, and so it can be a smart move. Um, and we're also going to talk a little bit about maybe our plans for next year, because we're not going to be recording podcasts in December, just a busy time, and we're going to take that month off. And so I think this is our last one, this recording then for this year. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about our plans for the podcast next year, but also just our plans in general, hopefully as COVID it comes close to an end. I don't know. With the vaccines, it's looking a little bit more hopeful. Yeah. Cross your fingers, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's hard happens. to tell right now, but it's definitely looking better. And then you want me to start with the augmented reality gallery that I'm doing right now? Yeah. So by the time this is out, it's not going to be something that people can look at. But I really wanted to talk about it because it's it was such a cool opportunity to be a part of something like the first Instagram filter art gallery in augmented reality that was ever done. It almost got to number one on the Instagram effects for how many people used it. So it was in the top 10 for a couple of days, which is really cool to see like people take to it. It's such a new thing. Virtual art galleries reached out to me. It's this guy named Dodds who lives in UK. It was his concept he came up with. Like, I want to do like virtual art galleries that you can use your phone and like through Instagram. And so it's a mix between augmented reality and an art gallery and vr a little bit so describe that a little bit more like so you're looking at your phone yeah and then just then you could physically turn around while looking right. at your phone and so what you're seeing on the screen is a virtual room right that's exactly it and so using your phone to like look around it's a weird experience eventually i'm sure they're going to be so you can use your headset like a vr headset and really get more involved. This was through Instagram, and the reason that he decided to do them through Instagram is because pretty much everybody has access to Instagram, whereas right. not a lot of people have access to virtual reality headsets at this point. Yeah. So it was a cool way to put some art out in there. And, and of course, right now with the pandemic, people can't go to art galleries in a lot of cities and places. So I'm kind of curious to see where this goes once the pandemic does come to an end and people can go out more. If it will be something that people will still want to do more of, or I think it could work. So is this something that anyone has access to? Is this just a filter that the guy you worked with, his name Dodge, can't remember. Do it's like D-O-D-D-Z, Dodds. Dodds. I must be a nickname. Is this just something he put out? It's not necessarily a tool for everyone that could, for everyone. I don't actually know that much about it. He worked directly with people at Facebook. He brought the idea to them. And so they kind of helped him. But I'm pretty sure anybody can create effects on Instagram. You just have to know how, mm -hmm. you know how to code that or whatever. And he's pretty good with augmented reality. He's done a lot with it. Like, for instance, the print that I have for sale of Jay-Z, which is like an augmented reality print. So when you hang it on your wall, it comes with like a frame. And on the side of the frame, there's a QR code. And when you scan the QR code with your phone and then you hold your phone in front of the print, the print will come to life. Oh, that's cool. It's an animation and Jay-Z will talk and it's just cool. And did he make that or did you make the animation? So he made the animation. I don't know how to do augmented reality. So all the augmented reality parts of the exhibit are on him you know obviously i provided the art and then he put it together that's cool it's still going till the end of this week and then he's moving on to this his second artist so it was cool to be his first artist that he used the effect for yeah 
And because it's through Instagram, I think it's like a small, they only have a certain amount of like space or memory or whatever. I'm not very good with technology. So the gallery or the exhibit, it's only one room. He said, I think up to eight pieces of art he could do anything more than that. And he wouldn't be able to fit it in there. Mm-hmm. But with virtual reality, you could definitely make an exhibit that has hundreds of pieces of art if you wanted. Right. I use an app called AltSpace on my Quest, Oculus. my Oculus Quest, and you can build levels in it. And I've built levels that are humongous. So I know for a fact you could build an art gallery within that. That's huge if you wanted to and invite people to it. Maybe people have already done that on that app. I'm not sure. Hmm. I only know how to use the pre-programmed because the levels I built, they have like things that you can put in your levels that are already created. So I don't know how to bring things in from the outside, like pieces of art that I create. Gotcha. But I'm sure people do know how to do that. And yeah, it's cool to see where it's headed because although I'm not like a huge technology person, I'm not terrible with it. And I think virtual reality is such a cool platform. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there. Altspace, they have open mic comedy nights where people like do comedy in this room and it feels like you're kind of in a comedy club with other people and you can talk to them. So it's like you're hanging out with people from all over the world and laughing. And and so you could easily do lots with your art, with any type of art, really. Sculpting, there's so much potential there. And so it's just a matter of time before people really start taking to it and using that medium to do some really cool stuff with i'd like to start sculpting in vr at least start dabbling with it i think it's definitely cool the only thing that stinks is you're creating things that don't really exist in the real world and so they only exist in a virtual reality world and and that means that only people that have access are the people that have those headsets well there's 3d printing now so you can't make it a real thing that's true too yeah you definitely could yeah never mind i was i might be wrong (laughs) but it's the the vr experience definitely would add to it yeah we'll kind of move on we were just talking about the holiday sale that mecca does every year you want to talk a little bit about that every year it's usually a three two-day holiday sale where artists local artists uh, students alumni faculty will set up tables and sell their their wares their works throughout the main college of arts building main building but this year with covid things had to change you couldn't do it in person so it's all online and you could access it at meccashop.edu or if you search google mecca shop you'll be able to find it. although it probably won't be up by the time this podcast comes out so never mind but any, anyway I, just, well, I, well, <laughs> I wanted to talk about it because it, it's such a cool opportunity to sell your art to people maybe you wouldn't normally been able to yeah we'll see how it goes it's so different and it's the first year of doing something so different so that's sometimes hard to gain traction with and it's probably won't be the same as in person but but I'm hopeful, hopeful with that. The regular holiday sale is basically similar to tabling at any type of event that you would go to with your art. Yeah. It's just around the holidays. And so it yeah. because of that, it's generally busy because... And it's usually they do it to open on the Friday, which the first Friday of every month in uh, Portland is like an open art walk anyway. Yeah. So, But this kind of brings us to the topic of making work or how to leverage holidays for sales. Uh, And that's what we're going to talk about for a little bit. Yeah, it's so important. I feel like every third Etsy order I get, it says marked as a gift. And that's throughout the whole year. So art is something that people buy as gifts a lot. And obviously around holidays is when people tend to give gifts. So I think the last couple of years from like the mid-November to the end of December, in those six weeks, I'll make as much as like my first two quarters of the year. Mm. So it's that important to take advantage of. Because if you don't, 
or if I don't, I mean, not everybody does that well around holidays. Some people, they maybe work with clients more and like you. So you might have a more steady income the whole year. Yeah. Whereas somebody like me, I have an okay income the whole year, but that holiday time is so important because if I don't take advantage of it, I'm losing out on, you know, almost half my income. Wow. Maybe not quite that, but you know, like let's say 33%. I'd say it's half my income for direct sales. Yeah. So depending on how much percentage direct sales are for you, it's, yeah, it's crazy significant. Yeah. So And so what I like to do is I try not to offer a ton of sales during the year. I might offer like a flash one day book sale or here and there, you know, but the reason being that way, when the holidays come and you want to do like a Cyber Monday sale or something, it's more special. So it would drive even more people there because maybe your stuff isn't on sale that often. So it makes them more likely to want to go and purchase things. But I prepare all last week. I'm like making Instagram posts ready to go. I've got Instagram posts for this whole week just to advertise the sale every day and and stories all prepared up. Do you load up on inventory to prepare? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I ship. My art prints are flat, so I use cardboard boxes. So I just went to Staples yesterday and I bought every large box they had in stock because I know know last year I, I went through so much cardboard. And so I just wanted to be stocked up. I got 250 sheets of print paper for prints. I got tons of ink, so I'm ready to go. I always go overkill because I'll use it next year if I don't do it now. But mm-hmm. around this time, it's important to have be prepared, be stocked up because if somebody orders something December 15th and you don't have what they're looking for in stock and you've got to order more paper or more ink from Amazon and wait a few days, they might not get their package then before December you know, 24th and then they get mad. So I like to be in stock and ready to go. So as the orders come in, I'm shipping them out within 48 hours tops. Right. And normally I don't do that. So this year I've been shipping two days a week. I'll ship Monday and Thursday. So if someone orders something Monday evening, it's not even going to get shipped till Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. But around the holidays, I tend to ship three times a week because I know people are more likely to complain if they don't get their package on time. But I do have a disclaimer on my Etsy, like, I don't guarantee shipping times because there's no way I'm going to take responsibility for that. I can't control the post office. Some things can, you know, get delayed and that's, I don't want people blaming me. So I make sure I definitely tell people I do my best on my part to get things in the mail in a timely fashion, but I still don't guarantee that they're going to get to them by a specific day. Do you focus on other holidays too throughout the year? Do you leverage that or not much? I definitely will think about that. and. Before Valentine's Day, I might do like a flash one day sale, but I don't do them as big as I would do for like a Cyber Monday thing because yeah, you're not going to. Just because the proportion of sales. Yeah. A lot more people are thinking gifts and buying around this time. So I throw a lot of attention or more attention on like Christmas, holiday season, winter time, New Year's. I would think about those other holidays, but I would save your biggest sale for cyber monday area Mm -hmm. and so maybe you'll do like a a smaller sale and don't put everything in your shop on sale just some things that's what i tend to do with other sales like you know just books are on sale or just prints of musicians and then the cyber monday sale i'm running right now is basically everything in my shop except a couple of like specialty limited edition prints that i'd never put on sale Mm -hmm. i don't know people feel like they're really getting a great deal i make sure that i obviously still price them that's the thing when you ever you do a sale you still 
want to take into account, well, how much can I discount where it's still worth it for me? Right. Don't eat up all of your profit margin. So my regular profit margin, maybe it's like 75%. And with a sale, it goes down to 35%, which is a big hit, but it's still enough of a margin where it's worth it. And so you got to definitely take those things into account. The only time I've ever really taken hit on profit margins is if I order something like a lot of something way in advance and then they just don't sell well. And sometimes you end up having to eat that by just charging so little that you're maybe you're not even making money. You're just trying to get your money back on those items. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah, it's happened to me with some card designs. And so you're just sitting on product that's just trickling in sales, you know, instead of yeah moving like others are. But you learn. That's the beauty of printing your own art prints. I buy paper ahead and lots of stock of paper, but that's okay because you can use that on whatever prints or whatever you want. But when you order like specific stickers or things like that up front, you have a lot of that one thing that you, there's nothing else you can do with it. Yeah, you have to be really smart when it comes to buying inventory and what that means. I mean, it's not just for holiday, that's for any time. Like inventory is a tricky thing to balance. With my books, it's always been hard to figure out how many should I order like, and they also take up a lot of room. So it's, I don't want to be sitting on so many books for years and years and it's taken up half my place. Right. There's not much to talk about with holidays. I just wanted to talk a little bit about how important it is to think about it and put some thought into it and figure out, you know, what can I do to actually drive people to my online store or in-person store, if that's what you have. Yeah. Holidays is how I started selling product Mm -hmm. instead of just commissioned art. I remember we started doing the Mecca holiday sale as students. And so we had a table for the entire class. That was the first time I realized there's potential in this. I did really well when I was with all the students and, um, and realized, oh, man, you know, if I had my own table, I wouldn't be competing yeah. directly against all these other students and I'd probably make a lot more money. So the next year I purchased my own table, beefed up some of my product. A lot of it is product that I invested in the year before. And some of those are products that I still invest into this day because they just keep selling. And so then I realized that following year that I I almost got 10 times the sales by getting my own table. That's funny because when I did the table with the other people from the illustration department, I feel like there were so many people selling things, it became like this mess of a table that didn't even make sense. And people didn't really stick around it very long. And especially when there's tables like right next to us where someone's selling all sorts of beard oils and the whole table is cohesive. It makes sense because it's just one creator. And so a table like yours is one creator. All your stuff fits together so it's not confusing to people and they're way more likely to buy from it. There's not too much different products on it. Doesn't look like a busy mess. You only have a couple seconds to get someone's attention when they're yep. walking by. So you got to do everything you can, especially in an environment where the people walking by are constantly readjusting to each table, mm-hmm. trying to take in every table and be in a busy environment. So you have to simplify and draw people in that way. And you realize the simpler the table in a busy environment, people gravitate towards them just so they could have a mental a break. Mental they, break. Don't even real, they don't even realize they're doing that. Yeah. So that was a aha moment for me. And so I kept focusing it. I narrowed in on the holiday sale time period, Christmas and winter cards, love card, keeping it really generic, blank inside. So, so anyone could write whatever they wanted. Winter was particularly good for me because 
everyone experiences winter. Right. You don't have to have a religion behind it or a set day behind it. Yeah. So it could be even just general stationery that you use. With like a cool illustration on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. And so that ended up becoming kind of a market for me as I was getting to more product and sale. And so now it's getting bigger and bigger. Now I'm offering prints, a lot more different cards, figuring out what cards sell more and just tripling down on them. I have that moose character that doesn't do anything, yeah. right? But putting them in different environments or putting different stuff on them changes its meaning and its approachability for different audiences and stuff like that. And people are loving him. So I doubled down on that character and made 18 more cards of the moose. So there's a full collection of him. And uh, smart. And yeah, I think holidays are pretty key. Uh, trying to use holidays as my jumping off point to, to breathe air into the fire of my shop and to try to make the shop more fruitful. It's tough. It takes years to start getting this, the sales that you want in these Etsy shops. It's definitely not an overnight thing. But once you get your positioning in play and in place, then there's limitless potential. Like there's inf- you hit could grow infinitely. That's what's so nice about investing in online space. Because if you were to compare that to an in-person shop, you know, you're paying rent versus paying, you know, your website fees. What's going to cost you more? Etsy also is once you start building more traction to your shop, they'll actually help you. And I noticed on Pinterest, sometimes there's Etsy promoted posts. So they promote pins on Pinterest where there's links back to Etsy. And I've actually been on Pinterest and seen them promoting my work, like pinned to my Etsy shop, and I didn't pay for it. So the more traction you build, the more likely Etsy will see like, okay, listing seems to sell pretty well. So let's put a little bit of money into using promotion pins or whatever. So I was really surprised to see that. But And you can pin your own posts too. You can. So you could start that way and that's free. It's free to pin your own posts yeah. and share. That's really the thing. Pinterest is like a great way to link back to your Etsy shop for free. And the cool thing about Pinterest is everybody starts pinning your stuff once it's up there. Occasionally, I'll be looking for inspiration and I'll type in artists I like names on Pinterest to see like some of their new work and just see see what they're doing. And then some of my work will maybe come up underneath, you know, so it's, it's interesting to see that and see how it got there. So maybe somebody else pinned it. I'm not really sure of how the algorithm works or how they decide because you know underneath it says like things that are similar to this so i don't know how they work that out but it's definitely interesting what are your plans for next year what are some things you want to do next year goals next year so we're going to start the year off by having felix scheinberger he's going to be a guest in january and we just had tommy kane on and i really want to set one day a month where it's interview day the last podcast of every month or something because then we would get to do like 11 new interviews next year. We did a decent amount this year. I think we did six or something. Yeah, we did a good amount. So to maybe double that number and get a third yeah. person in here. It's hard coming up with topics for a podcast all the time. And so to have a guest to talk with and have a new perspective in here, I think that the listeners would appreciate that too. Yeah, I think that'd be great. If you guys have like a thought about who we should try to get on, Because I'm always surprised who would say yes. We've actually got some decent guests that are like pretty well-known artists or musicians. We've had a couple musicians on. So, you know, you never know. But if you're out there listening and you know of somebody or you're friends with somebody that's an illustrator that does a lot of work, have them contact us because we may want to have them on and talk to them. Yeah. That would be something I really want to do with the podcast. And then 
I know we say this a lot, but to maybe live stream, maybe right. do that once a month where we live stream a podcast and do it like a video. Yeah, we need, I think we need to get some technological hurdles addressed and get some live stream equipment, maybe get sound dialed in a bit better. That's the thing with live streaming. So right now our podcasts are edited and all the little extra noises are taken out as best we can. And when you live stream, you can't do that. And so you're right, we would have to fix our audio a bit so that it kind of filtered out those noises live. It would be fun to get some of this YouTube and to have this channel be more of a resource. Yeah. I keep thinking, too, it might be fun to have a thumbnail podcast TikTok channel. Oh, yeah. That's where we do a lot of what we teach on the podcast or pare it down to 15-second bites, uh, quick tips, and stuff like that. Well, that's true. And if we do start videotaping or video recording, I say videotape still because you used to actually have a video cassette tape that you would record on. But if we did video the podcast, then we could cut clips out and use that for TikTok and stuff, which would be cool. Yeah. For sure. That's another thought too, as far as like the podcasts go, where where we might be able to head. Not this year, but the last three years prior, I did a book every year. And actually in 2019, I did that small insects book too. So I did two books that year. So this was Mm -hmm. the first year, 2020, that I didn't do a book, which is kind of funny because 2020 was like pandemic and we couldn't really go anywhere. So it seems like it would have been a good time to do a book. But 2021, I do want to do another book. It's been enough time now where I feel like I've got enough work where I could do something cool, maybe with those old sketchbooks, that paper and do, you know, take photographs of that work and put out a book like that. Yeah. So I definitely am going to have another book in 2021. That's a goal of mine and just something I like doing because two of my four books are out of print now. They're sold out. So they do sell and they move, which is good. People like books. That's good. How about yourself? What are you thinking? I've been thinking a lot about the structure of my business and where to go with it. I've been brainstorming ways to expand without so much risk. And so I've been noticing, especially in like ad world, traditional agencies and big agencies that companies are used to going to for their commercials and stuff are having a hard time with overhead given the pandemic and given the climate. So I'm noticing more of a trend of more and more of this creative talent going in the freelance route and trying to piece their own projects together. And so I had an idea where maybe I could put together a team, like a pod of creatives that I would lean on and be able to make pods per project based on the client, based on the need. And Can you explain what you mean by make pods per project? So with larger clients, you have to think if someone needed a commercial and they wanted it animated, that's great. So maybe that's where I come in, right? So... I'd be an animator. I'd help with the storyboarding and concept and stuff like that. But what if I needed more help with strategy? Oh, I see what you mean. On where to put this online and how to release it. Or if I need a copywriter to help me write the script. And it's like, that's not my strength. So I might as well get someone else on the team who who does have that skill as a strength. Or a video editor, stuff like that. Photographer. I'm just trying to bring a team together per project and not have the overhead of an agency. Oh, okay. So what's beneficial of that is now we can competitively price the project, have the same quality of the project, and then everyone on the team is actually benefiting more financially because it's just a small team. Would you like to do it out of the studios that you're at right now? I'd love to. I have plenty of space. I'd love to get, you know, two to four people 
involved in just working this larger space. So we have the benefits of being a small agency without mm-hmm. the stress of it. And then we could pick and choose what projects we want to work on, have that freedom. Everyone's their own boss. And then what you make of it, what you put in is what you get. That's an idea that's been rattling around in my brain. Have you looked into like how many different ad agencies in Portland there are? I'm just out of curiosity. I could think of a handful off the top of my head. I could probably think of 10 or so off the top of my head, varying in sizes. My question for you then is, would you be more interested in actually shifting your focus so that it was almost all on advertising clients? I know you do a lot of that now, but I mean, you work a lot with more people that do ads. I feel like almost all your clients would be, it would be advertising at that point. Yeah, I'd like to find a good balance there. And I think the ad world is a great direction financially Mm -hmm. because money's always there and money's always there for the taking. And how do you get corporations and companies involved with art in general? You know, and that's just one easy way where it's mutually beneficial for everybody. And so that's one direction. I'm thinking that advertising is a great area, but I think it's shifting. Uh, Our idea of advertising isn't what it used to be. And I don't think the advertising sector is ready for this mental shift. I'm seeing that people know when they're being sold to. And how many people even watch commercials anymore? Even when they're on TV, right. I'm picking up my phone and like putting it on mute. Or like, I'm not paying attention to the commercial anymore. On YouTube, I'm waiting that five, five seconds, seconds and then hitting that, skip. that skip button to pop up. And that's, that's clicked as fast as I possibly can. Yep. And even when we're scrolling through Instagram, you could instantly see almost what and what's not. And because it's like every fourth post, right? (laughs) Right. There's a lot more ads than there used to be for sure. So the real trick in advertising, I think, is going to be how to provide useful content without looking like you're actually selling. And I think the real play in advertising is social media content. And it's not commercials. It's just content. And content could be around a brand or including a brand, but that's not the front and center. We have to now think a little bit different in this world. Yeah. Ads is something I've never done a lot with or done any art for, but it's like, you're right. A lot of people just want to skip them. Except for some reason around the Super Bowl, people look forward to the ad. So maybe there's something there. Because that's more content now, right? And not about selling. It's about being funny. Getting people involved in Yeah. And so how do we do that? And then how do we do that in really quick bites? Like no one's even looking at a 30 second spot anymore. 15 seconds is now the max. Yeah. How do we do that? It's like in movies and in TV, brands pay all the time to get their product placed, right? Product placement. Right. And drink this Coke somewhere during the movie or make sure the car that they're driving is this Buick and they pay for that. But now in in some of these social media platforms, we're so used to seeing all these brands in the backgrounds and stuff, but no one's getting paid for that. Right. Right. It's a similar format. Why isn't that being leveraged a little bit more? That's what I'm now thinking about for next year and starting now too, to see how, if there's a play there. I think there is. It's you're going to use your creative skills to figure that out. I mean, there's definitely a way to make ads more appealing because right now they're just not. I mean, I even like, I'll listen to Joe Rogan podcasts or other podcasts and I already know I'm going to skip the first five minutes of the podcast because I know it's all ads, right? Mm -hmm. And to make people want to actually, I'm trying to think of ads that I really liked and what it was about them that I, I used to love those Quiznos ads. You remember the little weird rat character that would like sing? No, I don't. If you ever saw them, you would never forget them because it's like this disgusting rat 
that would sing like about Quiznos. And like, <laughs> whenever you see him, you go, how did the Quiznos people even approve this? Because it's disgusting. And like, it doesn't make you want to eat. But for, but they're so funny. And they, they like people loved them when they saw them. They're kind of old. They're probably like 15 years old at this point. Yeah. You should look them up on YouTube. They're, they're so weird. Yeah, well, I'll look that up for sure. I love that the people at Quiznos approved them because they're so creative and they're so different from any commercial you've ever seen. But most higher ups at most companies wouldn't approve an ad like that. They want more like something more right down the middle that appeals to the more because my mom would hate those Quiznos ads. Most older women would hate those Quiznos ads. It, It only appeals to a very distinct specific small audience yeah Yeah. but to make ads like that would be cool to make like these cult classic ads where people are like 10 years from now going remember that weird commercial right i was thinking could you imagine if the diet coke and mentos soda explosion was an ad and so you just like had this trend going that all these people are now trying to do and like purposely buying mentos and diet coke to make these soda explosions yeah like could you imagine if like that was your idea for the ad and you just dial in on trying to make ads approachable like that yeah and people wanting to basically make ads for you for free that's it that's what you've got to do but i think you're a creative enough person where that's like something i could see you moving towards next year more of but that's a cool idea i hope that really works out gathering other people together that maybe have done some advertising and are interested in working with more of a collective group. Yeah, it would be cool. It's kind of difficult to get people on the same page right now. Yeah. Because people don't want to be in groups, of course, right? People are obviously a little bit hesitant with COVID to maybe start a new business right now, too, because the economy is kind of in a weird spot. Yeah. But, you know, now's the time. Now's the time. And when you're scared, that's when you know something is right. When you put yourself in a vulnerable situation. Yeah. You're also giving yourself the opportunity for greatness. Yeah, that's true. And I strongly believe that. That's the thing. You can't really have greatness without getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. Whenever you do get out of your comfort zone, there's obviously always the chance that you'll fail. But you have to take those chances in order to succeed, right? Yeah. I look forward to the failures as much as I do the successes because the failures are only going to make the successes that much better. I really, really hope that by the end of next summer that we can go on a trip somewhere because it's just, we had a scheduled trip in March to go to England and then my wife was going to go to Germany sometime this winter. Mm-hmm. Both trips canceled. So it would be really cool to take like a couple weeks and go to Europe at the end of next summer. Realistically, it's hard to say what will be the I think we'll be able to travel within the U.S. because we already can do that even now during the this huge spike. If we can get the vaccine and it works and we get it distributed, I just want to be able to travel a little bit next year. And I think a lot of people are probably feeling that way. Yeah. Safely. Obviously, I'm not going to go traveling if it's not safe and I'm not going to put people at risk. I just mean, you know, I hope that it's at a point where we can safely travel again because... I have family that I haven't seen in a long time that live in England and April's brother and her niece and nephew live in Germany. So it's been hard, you know, not seeing them. Yeah, that's tough. It's always tough. What else are some other goals? I guess I've been thinking more about, I keep wanting to do children's books, Uh, maybe find an agent or something like that to help me with that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt but the cool beer can i just saw that you posted that you did yeah how can i get that do i go right across to foulmouth are they open selling them or do i have to go to the store yeah they're open at foulmouth so you, you could go direct but they're also being distributed around so oh nice 
yeah, I'm going to be going over between four and eight o'clock today, picking up some of the cans. So I did my first beer label for a, a beer can. And some podcasts ago, we talked about asking for help. This is one of those times I asked for help to my community and, and people reached out and I got this goal fulfilled just because I asked. And this label is finally being produced and you know you can finally buy this beer and it's really cool seeing it's a cool beer your art yeah it's really cool seeing your art in the wild that always jazzes me i think people would pick that beer up out of the case just because of the label too because you don't see too many beer labels that have like cartoons on them i think it's just a cool concept and i'm glad that they took a chance because it's something so different and it ended up really coming out great so i definitely yeah, want to go pick I some loved up. it check it out foul mouse brewery and yeah. i think uh, and the beer's called Wake up the neighbors. It's an IPA, right? It's a double IPA. Yeah. Double IPA. So I don't even really love IPAs, but I'm still going to pick some up just because of the packaging. Nice. It's not <laughs> like the I did that Geary Summer Ale a couple of years ago. Yeah. I don't even really like Geary's beer, <laughs> if I'm being <laughs> honest. But, you know, it was, I still bought some, obviously, to see my art on it. It was cool. Right. <laughs> now yeah, now so that I'm not I'll, working I'll buy a... for them, I can say that. Right. And now you'll never work for them again. <laughs> well, it's a different owner and everything. Now, do they even do that contest anymore? I don't know. I don't think they do. It'd be a bummer if they stopped. I kind of feel like they did, though. So this contest is Geary's contest. Every year, they used to let Mecca students submit designs for their beer label and their boxes. For the summer ale, so, yeah. For the summer ale. So it'd be a different student artist every year, and they'd give a good chunk of cash or scholarship. Yeah, no, for... it was $5,000 a check. So you could oh, you could nice. do whatever you wanted with it, which was cool. Yeah, so. That was my first like real paying. Like I, I had made a few hundred bucks here and there and some illustrations for magazines, smaller magazines, but to get a check for $5,000 for my art, that was big. Especially as a student. Right. That doesn't come very often right away. Nope. So that was really exciting to get that phone call that I had won. I was not expecting it. Mm-hmm. And because I was an illustration major at the time and the graphic design student basically had won the last, I think, 10 years or something in a row. So it was like the first time an illustration major had won in a while, which was nice. Yeah, I tried multiple times, never won, but I did try. <laughs> There's usually great competition. I didn't think I'd win because I thought there was a couple others that were, in my opinion, better than mine, but they liked what they saw in mine. Although they pick your label and then they still want edits and they want you to rework it a bit. So my mm-hmm. mock-up from what the mock-up that they saw to the final product, there was quite a few different changes that they wanted. I had like this cool red splatter over the lobsters and they were like, ah, it looks like blood. Can you do a different color? So I had to change it and, and ended up being like a, a cool design. But I feel like the original one that I put together was a little bit more cool. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was still a great opportunity for sure. I'm doing a wine label in January. I'm starting to work on a wine label for somebody, which is kind of interesting. So I think your work fits that really well. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet for the label, but we'll figure that out. Yeah. I draw a lot of people, but I don't think I'm going to do people on this. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I told them I'll start it in January because December's just too busy. But yeah, that's kind of, I think, what we plan for for next year. So this is kind of like our wrap up for this year. We hope that yeah. You enjoyed the podcast and you're going to come back. Even though we're saying like, oh, this is our last one for the year. I don't think there's going to be much of a gap because we are kind of have some in the vault. So maybe there'll be a week gap or something, but I don't think there'll be that long of a gap. Yeah. So cool. See you back in 2021. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. Take care.